You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 11, episode 71. Uh, I'm John and I'm joined by author John. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. It's been a bit of a strange week, although right now my mood is still not great after the what we're about to talk about, really. Aye, I think the highlight of being at Hamden was Monday. Let's say yeah. that safely, uh, which was back in day, but that, more to come in that, because we'll, we'll delve into that, I think, next week. A bit more mm-hmm. detail. Yeah, definitely. Um, Josh, how are you doing? Um, all right, mate. Um, still a bit knackered um, from last night, but just you know, just tired. But didn't sleep well uh, just because I was my blood was up all night. Um, but the the in terms of mood, I've settled from the kind of acute shock and anger and a kind of just a low kind of grinding chronic depression today um, of of you know just agony after last night. So, but I mean, apart from football. You know, issues, everything's fine. Aye. Bit of a wake up call it, last um, night. Yeah, but at least you made it though, because poor um, Benny, his voice is broken and he says he didn't want to, um, anyone confuse him with the Dalek, so that's why he's not a team. I definitely am, I mean, my, my voice is barely holding up from shouting all that abuse at the team last night. Um, but I mean, it's 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 like anything, isn't it? You get a positive result, and your voice goes because you're singing for so long, and then you know you um, you get a, you you get such a terrible result like last night, and it's uh, your voice goes because you're just spent all night shooting abuse. Aye. So potentially we've got someone joining. Well, we have got someone joining us, but potentially you might face the same heartbreak on Sunday. Um, though for your sake, hopefully not. Ian, how you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, boys. Uh, try and bring some kind of joy to this sombre chat tonight, but I'm not sure I can do much magic given the way that you've three have started this one. <laughs> well, it's the Jubilee and Gareth Bale's get his MBE, so that's something exciting, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, should we, should we skip over that one, man? Right, let's, 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 let's not get any episode of Football, not politics, lads, come on. <laughs> aye, aye, we'll, we'll avoid that, right, okay, uh, no no more politics, so uh, are we just going to start last night, assess the game, and where we go from here? <laughs> well, where we go from here is next week, um, the Nations League trying to put things right and get ourselves started on the Euro 2024 journey, um, but... Last night for me was the biggest game at Hamden uh, from a Scotland perspective since Italy in 2007. Um, and I just could not believe that the team took 62, 63 minutes to turn up. It was an absolutely shocking performance um, from the, the guys. It doesn't help when you've got at least seven players in that starting lineup with poor club form the last couple of months. Um, but you would have thought there was a lot of motivation with so much riding on it. I mean, Ukraine, to be fair, they were excellent on the night. They had their game face on. They had, they were laser focused. Um, played as um, off the part and truly deserved to. I think three one flattered us to be honest. But it was just so annoying. With what was at stake and how much we bought into these players that 
so many of them froze. And also there was some questionable selections by Steve Clark. We've, we've given him a lot of praise and he deserves the praise that he's had. You know, he's um, you know, shut up a few critics at times, but last night he deserves criticism because unfortunately there was one or two selections that he got badly wrong last night, um, including the front two. Lyndon Dyke should not be starting that game. It should have been Christie and maybe bring Dykes on when we needed that a goal. He was off the pit. We took him off at half time and then we were two down. And at a time when you might have needed him coming on, he's already off. Just, yeah, that's long and short of how I'm feeling right now. Do we think, in terms of selection, and so starting off, like obviously there was the debate over who was going to start right wing back. And to be fair, I'm not saying Clark built a public pressure, but a lot of people were wanting Hickey in. Um, on the basis of what he's done in Italy, much as he's not really played right wing back a, a lot, he's played a few games. I, I thought he struggled. Um, I, <coughs> I know he's a young lad, um, but I just think between the balance of having him at right wing back, and I'm still not convinced about McTominay at centre back. I just think it's an accident waiting to happen. Um, yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I mean, John, the, the thing is, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I mean, John's John said a lot of of the kind of same kind of sentiments that that I would be wanting to put across as well. It, for me, Clark, you know, Clark's not under any pressure in terms of his position because um, you know the, the improvement in the team has been extraordinary over the past two or three years, um, and you know that's borne out of the fact we were two, you know two games away from getting to the <coughs> cup uh, after twenty four years. About right, 24 years it'll be. Um, so yeah, but their questions have to be answered um, about last night. Some of the selections, I don't want to get into, I, I really don't like singling out players, but it's hard not to when you think about the choices that Steve Clark made in his, his team. Um, I mean, we'll talk about Hickey more in depth, but but that one really baffled me. Um I don't know if he's. I don't think he's bowed to pressure because he's never done that before, Clark. He's not that type of guy. Um, I, I can see, you know, potentially he's thinking, but you know, around the fact that this boy's playing Serie A every week, he's looking like he's going to be a top top talent. Arsenal are looking at me buying him. Um, you know, he, he looks. You know, he does look like he's going to be another top top footballer. Um, and in our kind of international pool, but all the same, he'd only played about fifteen minutes for Scotland before. Um, did he start a game, John? John, uh, please do. I, th- I think he did. No, no, no. It was he came on against uh, Poland at Hamden. I can't even remember. If he, I think he came on against us as well. I can't remember, but it's you know it's a couple of sub appearances. And I'll hold my hand up. By the way, I was one of those who thought Hickey right, but wing back would be a good shape because he played there for Bologna against AC Milan, who have just really been crowned um, Serie A champions. He played out of his skin. Bologna kept a clean sheet. They drew 0-0 one night. Um, so he'd had a couple of games in that position. It wasn't too unfamiliar um, for him. But I last just, night, he was like a rabbit. Um, in the headlights, and I sent a text to another group chat saying that I would get him off for Stephen O'Donnell. And they said, what game are you watching? I said, look at what he's doing. He's just, he was caught out of position so often in that first half and he wasn't offering much going forward and he was a slightly better second half but yeah. by that time the game's done yeah no, he wasn't um, off he wasn't offering anything John and, and the thing about it as well is that it was, it was his positional play was so bad 
um, that uh, it left McTominay exposed regularly. You know, in, in McTominay's previous games at centre back, he's usually had O'Donnell there with him, who, you know, he's not he's not a, a sexy footballer, but he is a solid defender, um, and he's always been there to give McTominay a bit of support. Um, and I think you know, if if you were to look on paper at that team, you just seen how lopsided in terms of quality defensively um, we had last night with Hickey and, and McTominay starting out in that kind of right side of defence. Um, it was just a calamity. Do you think part of it, though, would it give credit to the way Ukraine set up? Because obviously they set up with like basically three attackers. Their full-backs were pushing very high up the pitch for playing four at the back as well. <laughs> and so it was, stretching, it was stretching Cooper and McTominay into places they didn't want to go. So what was almost happening is when McTominay was going out wide to cover... Um, the left winger, Hickey was then tucking inside. It almost became that Hickey was coming, becoming the centre back when we were defending, and McTominay was going out wide. Look, look, John. Part Maybe part the neutral one can answer that. <laughs> Maybe I, I was just going to jump in there, lads. Actually, because you look at their left hand side, and you, you've already mentioned um, young Hickey. There's they must have targeted him before that. Surely you look at Mikolenko's been playing brilliantly for Everton on that left hand side, and in the Premier League, he's come on leaps and bounds since coming in January. Um, was it Shigankov, the, the, the left winger yeah, or the left yeah. midfielder? And he, I thought he was excellent as well. And, and like you say, when you've got a midfielder in Scott McTominay, who he should be playing centrally, in my, in my opinion, I think that's a no-brainer. But I can see why he's tried to shoehorn in further back. Um, but, you know, when he's trying to cover for a player like Hickey in an unfamiliar role in a back three, you're asking for trouble against players like that. So I think Josh summed it up when he's saying it was a bit lopsided. It was a big gamble and... You know, look, there was there was a lot of things that went wrong, but that was one of the biggest ones, I'd probably think. Yeah. There's no question we missed Nathan Patterson in that, that side because he's also yeah. made that right wing wing back position his own. You know, defensively and going forward, you know, he's improved tenfold. Um, but if he's not playing, you know, Stephen O'Donnell um, should have been one. I'm really surprised um, Clark went with him. I mean, I know I'm sitting here saying that I would have went with Hickey personally, um, based on some of his form with um, Bologna, but then. I'm an idiot in a podcast. Stephen Clark's the Scotland manager. At the end of the day, he should be, you know, sensing um, what the right what what the right um, decision was. I think he's got that um, badly wrong, unfortunately. But he made a lot, John. The, the, the thing is about last night, he made a lot of right decisions, or at least Clark. I mean, he made a lot of decisions that you know, as soon as you seen the team sheet, you thought, yeah, that's absolutely fine, right? So far. For example, starting McGregor and Gilmore in midfield, but and and you know whether you know we could get into the kind of tactics of it, I suppose, right? But I don't think there was a Scotland fan in the house last night that was unhappy with McGregor and Gilmore both starting in midfield, um, but they were terrible. They were absolutely rubbish, both of them. I felt anyway. Um, I know McGregor got the goal, um, but I thought they were both just. Really, really poor, particularly in the first half. The first half was the what was, yeah. I mean, that was probably the worst forty-five minutes we've had under Clark, and and I include getting beat four 0 off of Belgium and four 0 off of Russia in that. Do you think Ukraine had targeted Gilman in terms of his importance? Because that challenge by Yeremchuk looked like it was just one to take Gilman out in game. Possibly, um, but I also think Billy, we're talking about players that are on on form um, just now. Now, had this game been back in March, you know, you've you've got um, KMT and then Nathan Patterson the team, and most of our players were uh, match on decent bit of form. Like Shea Adams was scoring goals for fun at Southampton at the time. Nathan um, 
and uh, Stuart Armstrong was actually playing well. He could have um, come in the team. Gilmore was doing okay at, at Norwich, but in the last couple of months, um, in my opinion, only like Scott McTominay's had a rotten season for Man United and um, a rotten Man United team in that midfield. And then we're asking them to play centre back. Grant Hanley has been playing a Norwich team that's just collapsed like a um, pack of cards and I can see the goals for fun. Um, you've got um, Gilmore um, has not um, had top form and he had an injury scare before this game. John McGinn has been playing in Aston Villa side recently who have been on their holidays the last couple of months because they've had nothing to play for. Uh, Shea Adams' goals have dried up at Southampton. Um, Dykes' form out, out the window at um, at QPR over the last couple of months. And when you've got that many players in one team that's, you know, lost that form. I know um, on the previous podcast with um, Gordon and Gordon Sheikh and Laura Branham are both saying that club club form can go out the window when it comes to the national team because when they come together on that jersey. Um, and I got where they were coming from, but this is over the last couple of months. It's very difficult to just switch back on like that. And it, it told last night for me, and we needed one or two different changes. I'm really surprised um, that we didn't start Scott McKenna um, as the left centre-back. He's just come off the back of winning a playoff final with um, Nottingham Forest, where he was man of the match. <sighs> he should have been starting that game. But whether he would have made a complete difference, I'm not sure. But that's questions that Steve Clark's got to answer for me. Maybe McKenna had too many beers on Sunday, seeing as like folk were accusing Robertson of being unprofessional for having a few beers after the Saturday. Look, John. I mean, what? Look, what, I mean, we're, we're no, we're no that stupid in this podcast to get drawn into that Robertson having a few beers argument, oh, right? No. But see at the end, see at the end of the day, um, R- Robertson was poor last night. He was, he was very poor. Um, I don't think he particularly led by example, uh, and he, he looked, um, he looked as if he was in summer mode. Most of the players looked as if they were on their holidays, um, and and for that reason, um, you know. Purely on a footballing basis, and um, the, the reschedulement of the fixtures has, you know, has brutalised us. You know, getting moved to new is just, is, you know, I mean, you you touched on some of the form of the players within a few months ago, John, um, and it's just it's you know, for the players that we have, I mean, the top players, Robertson losing a Champions League final last week, um, you know, and a lot of the guys playing 40, 50 games this season. The, the timing and the change of of the fixtures has just has been terrible for us. It's it's been terrible for us, and it's actually, um, I suppose, footballing wise, it's fitted Ukraine quite well because they have had a month to get themselves back up to fitness and and get a bit of training and and get a few camps together and do some friendlies and things. So yeah, that aspect was was terrible for us as well. What I would have to say, sorry, jumping in there, lads. What I would have to say is, I, I was surprised how passive Scotland were from the start. You know, especially with how crowd, how the crowd was amazing, as it always is up there. We showed a lot of respect to the Ukrainians, rightly so. But when it came to the match, that was it. It's all focus on the game, and they, they were just so passive. And don't get me wrong, Ukraine deserve huge credit for the way that they've stepped up. And you know, Josh mentioned it there. Everything they've done in the last three months or whatever it is has been geared towards this. Scotland hasn't. You mentioned there Andy Robertson's had a lot to deal with at club level. Scott McTominay's had a, a torrid year with Man United, you know, personally and collectively from, from their point of view. Um, but even so, you know, you had two really big warning signs early on and Craig Gordon bailed you out, basically, let's be honest. You, you, there was still nobody taking account for it. And that's probably where you do need 
McTominay in the middle instead of you know someone as young as Gilmore and um, and McGregor next to him. You, you need someone to just go right. Okay, let's settle it down, lads. Because Ukraine weren't dominating the game. They were the better team. They had the better chances, but they weren't dominating. So I, I think that was the big worry for me. As, as poor as Scotland were, Ukraine were good. But I think judging from the mood you'd say, you'd probably say it was more a case of Scotland were just way off it, weren't they? I, I don't I, I don't know how much um, Scottish football you get to watch, Ian. Um, but but I don't, I'd like to. I mean. I'd like to get your thoughts on this one, obviously as well. Um, but but I'd also like to get the two Johns' thoughts on. Um, I, I said to a couple of my friends during the game last night, I felt we were massively missing Ryan Jack. Um, we needed someone like him. Ryan Jack is 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 a very unique player in the Scotland team. There's no one else that does what he does. Um, and and we were really really missing a player to be strong on the ball. And to marshal the midfield last night and to, to fight against the um, Ukrainian players, you know, and we just, we really, really, really badly missed his presence, I felt, last night. Is that for me first? Sorry, lads. Yeah, I, I just summed it up there. It's, it's the midfield battle that killed you in the first half. And, you know, Steve Clark responded with that change at half time. I, I fully understand why. And on the face of it, it might look negative taking a striker off, but. It was the right thing to do, and it, it gave you a bit of a grip, probably after in the hour mark. And the, the worry was for that first fifteen minutes in the second half, you were still passive and you didn't learn from your mistakes, and it proved costly. And and in the end, that fifteen minutes probably cost you the game. It, I don't even think it was the first half because survived that, and you probably would have gone on to win it. Especially if you know what a chance for John McGinn. By the way, he's got to put that away, and mm-hmm. if he does, it's a it's, it probably is a different outcome altogether. I think, but if my auntie and all that, but you know, even so, I think. That midfield, it just got crushed in the first half. And when you haven't got the presence of a player like, you know, Wales are blessed with your Joe Allens and Aaron Ramseys and these just quality players who know that level and, and can just take a, take hold of the ball, go back if they need to, reset and just calm things down when, you, when you're up against it because that, that's so important sometimes and just Scotland did not have it. So I, I see where you're coming from with Ryan Jack. Yeah, I mean... Um... Listen, I put, put club football out, out, out of the equation when it comes to the national team. You know, Ryan Jack is um, an excellent player. He's had a, um, he's just off the back of scoring the Scottish Cup final as well. Um, and you look at his performance in Serbia, and I think we missed Ryan Jack in the Euros. He brings that bit of calmness into midfield, and he, he's a ball winner, you know. And we could have done with someone like him in that midfield um, without question. You know, I don't care, you know, who he plays for. You know, he'd have been ideal for the team. And on that note, um, I'll probably stick off Erin uh, from the, pod, the the group chat about this, but I don't get why Scott Wright wasn't called up because in the second half, not to start the game, but in the second half, we needed someone um, who could offer something different to come on and try and change the game and have and have a right run at the um, Ukraine defence. But Ryan Fraser was injured, I get that. James Forrest has been in and out of Celtic because he's injury problems. But Scott Wright could have offered that, and he's off the back of playing a, a year. Um, a Europa League final, he said a solid end of the season, he scored in the Scottish Cup final, that boy's in a high, why are we not bringing him in the squad and just putting him on um, with like 25, 30 minutes to go, see, see what you can do to try and get us back in this game and yeah, it's you're also John, one of these little things. John, I mean also, you know, that I mean that's a good point you make there, um, but even when Clark mixed, mixed it up in the second half and he changed it up to the four, the, the four at the back, we don't have any width We've no, we've no got any wide players. There's no wide players in that squad. You know, Forrest, Fraser, uh, Forrest and Fraser 
are genuinely two of the only wide players that I can really think about in the Scotland setup. So Scott Wright is is obviously going to be in contention there um, for a place, even you know, even to have as an option, as you said. I wonder if Kerrick could have come on with Brown. Brown. Brown, Brown could have come on. I suppose that he could play out wide mm-hmm. as well. But then we went for like, we were playing almost like a, a 4 6 type of thing. Yeah, I think. It was. Yeah, I it think. Was, it was bizarre. Yeah, I think Steve, I think Steve Clark was in the head of um, tried and tested. And I get that. You know, you know, it's a it's the biggest game, as I say, we've had for four, um, 14 and a half years. Um, and, you know, the mantra seems to be, you know, step your try and, um, try and test in these games. But sometimes a little bit of pressure, some, someone that you think probably weren't expected to come on might be that little game change that we could have had. As you mentioned, Brown with his pace and he's had a solid season with Stoke City. Player of the year with Stoke and we had as well. You know, someone like him could have, um, you know, came on and made an impact or even like Ross Stewart in there. But, yeah, the substitutions were almost um, predictable. And on Benny did send a question for me to ask, um, it's almost controversial. This one. He asked them, is Steve Clark the very best we could have at this time? Does his inflexibility hold him back? Ian, I'll put that to you first since you're the um, neutral in all this. <laughs> what a question to give a neutral. Um, you boys will know far better <laughs> than I will. I mean, what options, what, what else? You know, you've already mentioned what you'd have done differently last night. Um, like I say, the strike is clearly an issue, isn't it? Um, Lyndon Dykes, I think he's had his critics for a while. I, I suppose the strike has been Scotland's issue for 25, 30 years, really, isn't it? It's in, in many ways similar to Wales, where we're fortunate we've had other stars that are Bale or Ramsey to, to you know, plan the pun, bail us out. But you know, it's been years since we've had those that Ian Rushes and Dean Saunders, Mark Hughes. So, um, you know, I, I just think you've, you've got clear issues. What, what more has he got to, to solve? I don't think he's got too much more. Maybe I'm being a bit naive or a bit, you know, trying to ease the criticism on him in some ways because he got things wrong last night. But um, a lot of it was down to the players and the way that they started the game and it just carried on. You know, there's there's only so much the manager can do, I think. Your know, players have to look at themselves after that as well. And it will be interesting to see, um, you know, six months' time when the World Cup's on, what are Scotland players once the dust settled? How do they feel about it? You know, is it disappointment, anger? I don't think it will be. I think it'd be regret. Because they knew that game was there for the taking, as, as good as Ukraine were. Um, to answer, I mean, to, to answer or, or to try and answer Barry's question, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm reluctant to get into criticism with Clark, you know, just because of the improvement. Um, he is probably he's probably the best manager that I, in my lifetime, I remember Scotland having. Um, certainly since you know, since I've been following Scotland, um, albeit um, I'm in a bit older company with the, the two Johns here. Um, but yeah, he's he's certainly the the best manager I remember, and and I think that I don't I don't actually agree with this idea that that some people are suggesting that Clark's a bit of a dinosaur or that he's inflexible. He he's been very good at bringing players in to do a job and then sending them on the way. If, if you looked at, um, I mean, we, we talk about the, the consistency of the Scotland squad nowadays. But if you looked at the amount of players that Clark's actually used, I think you'd be surprised at how many players have came and went. Um, you know, your Raymond Brophy's, your Declan Gallagher's, your Andrew Considine's, all of this. Um, so I think, you know, like Ian's saying, there, you have to draw a line somewhere as, as to how much the manager can actually do. 
because the manager, while there's questions to be asked about his choices in the team last night and, and the way he set up the team, um, there were players, like we said, that you would definitely have had starting Che Adams, Gilmore, McGregor, John McGinn. John McGinn was anonymous last night, absolutely anonymous. Um, but there's not there's not a single soul in Scotland who would not have started John McGinn last night. So I, I think I think that's I suppose that's where the line between where you can where you can draw a criticism of Clark and then you've actually got to say, well, the players have got to take some accountability here. Um, and yeah, um, but <laughs> I, I think that um, I, I don't see. I don't see anyone else. I don't see any other managers on the horizon. You know, it's hardly as if we can, you know, tell Clark thanks very much, send him on his way and get in a Ancelotti or a Guardiola or a Jose Mourinho, you know. I think he has shown that he is flexible in terms of, remember, we were playing four at the back and it wasn't working. And then this three at the back system evolves. It's been working well. Going into the game, we're eight games unbeaten. We're all talking about the midfield and McGinn, McGregor and Gilmore being so good in the ball, having a wee bit of everything. But the problem is, in terms of flexibility just now, we don't have width. We don't have any wingers to come in. That, that, that's maybe part of the problem. Could we have maybe, when we'd gone 4-3-3, even brought on Ralston to play? Kind of wide? Try that out? Try out something different? I've seen Ross Stewart play wide back in the day for Ross County. Badly. I mean, we've, it could have been an old, like, Lee McCulloch type system. Remember Lee McCulloch back in the day used to play wide? It worked out all right. But you obviously never trusted Stewart uh, well, to play on the bench yeah. when you're, looking, you're chasing a goal. Why not bring them on instead of sticking Hanley up front? Well, I mean, JB yeah. mentioned it there, uh, John. Um, we Patterson was a huge miss, absolutely huge miss. He, 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 I, I thought I think Patterson gives us essentially what Andy Robertson gives us on the left. He's just so dynamic um, and just absolutely baffling that he's not playing for Everton. He has been injured, remember? That, that's part. That's I was part just going to say, lads. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm an Everton fan. I've loved watching Michelangelo, but no, Patterson's been really unlucky because. Had he been fit, he'd have been in the team ahead of Seamus Coleman by now because he's loving to bits, but he's a bit, you know, he's past his best. So I think he's one for the future, probably. Hopefully, if he can get fit. Yeah, and the boy John Joe Kenny. Um, still can't believe he's getting the game for you boys, but that's a, um, a separate issue. We've obviously seen him play well, put on a Celtic shirt. Um, <laughs> Is it just one of those nights, though, when everyone were all, was off form at their own time? Like, probably. I mean, it, or did we not expect what Ukraine was, how Ukraine were going to play or something like that? Because Ukraine looked much or better. Have than we come to expect too much? Because in terms the of disappointment, you... John, I, th- I think the disappointment's probably the, the the actual level of disappointment is probably a good thing. Um, in a sense, it's probably a sign of expectation because you know expectation of football is endless. You know, what I mean, I support a team, I support a club team that you know goes into every single tournament expecting to win it. Um, Whatever well, medal, do they? Do they? <laughs> well, yeah. I, expect that, I expect that above <laughs> the medal and all, mate. But um, no, but 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 if, if you have a team who are expecting to win every single game, then it is a disaster when your team don't win a game. So the fact that we've went eight games unbeaten and we're now, we now expect our team to be able to roll over teams like Ukraine um, you know, just on a whim, it's, it's the, the the fact that we're so angry is probably a sign of how far we've came as a team. I I don't think I don't think anyone expected us to like overwhelm them. I think I always expected it was going to be a tight game. I was expecting penalties to be honest. 
I was two 0 two 0 mate. I thought down. I thought we'd I thought we'd go up and just roll them over just as we as we did Denmark because we did uh, Israel. You know, I just thought we would boss them and send them on their way, and I, and then I thought we would do the same to Wales on Sunday, but that's not happening, is it? Aye, that was a verums. <laughs> well. Well, I'll, I'll be honest, when, when on the Hampton Road podcast, um, when I was on with Andy Barge uh, back in November, me, me and Gordon Shiach were asked to put in our preferences as to which of the play, um, teams we wanted most in the playoff draw, and Ukraine were number two behind Ma- North Macedonia for me, um, because I, I felt they were the more beatable of the, the options that we had, because I think one of them was Poland, and I think we put Poland near the bottom um, for the reason we didn't want them. And had this game been in March, I still believe with the players that we had and the form they were in at that time and the place that we were, I think we would have beat them. But unfortunately, it was the right thing to put the game back. But unfortunately, it's been a massive detriment to us for a lot of reasons. We lost our best player. I don't care anyone else says Kieran Tierney is our best player. He's as close to a world-class player as we've got. We lost our um, main right-back in Nathan Patterson, who unfortunately didn't make it for last night. Hopefully, we'll be okay for the Nations League games next week. Um, and too many players, I say, were off form. Ukraine, as you mentioned, Josh, were galvanised. They went. In, I think it was as early as April that they went into this. Um, they were starting playing games in Poland against, like, Sabrishman, Mönchengladbach, etc. And that six to eight weeks that they've had before this game was really galvanising. They've been able to work together. And then, obviously, you had players like Yarmolenko came into the team last night. Um, and it was just, it was always going to be more nervy last night. And I think the sense of occasion got to us more than it did the Ukraines. And Ukraine were totally focused. And listen, fair play, they deserve to win. 3 1 as I said, flat of this. Um, they were the better team. And um, there'll be a lot of people that say good luck to them on Sunday. But I'm going to be honest, I want the most fun. Man, John, good man. They ripped us apart, though, didn't they? Like, that first, that first goal is just. Schoolboy stuff. Took it. Took us apart. Took us apart, mate. We absolutely banjoed us. Banjoed us. They were pantsters. Absolutely pantsters. Yeah. You know that's there's there's no other kind of vernacular I can I can use. They just what what we what you know. I actually walked. I walked out of the game last night, going, "What the have I just watched? What the hell have I just have my eyes just witnessed?" We've just been rolled over by a team that's been fighting a war for the last three months. Jink is um, see as well though, in terms of like the players being nervous, I think there was a bit of nervousness about the crowd. I don't think the atmosphere was what it's been recently. I know obviously Ukraine scored pretty early, but even prior to that, there was I don't know, whether maybe I mean did the emotion that of the occasion take over? And a wee bit like this I don't know, it just it, it felt it subdued. Seems... It felt subdued. Yeah. It, do you mean before the game, lads? Because obviously I wasn't at the match, but we've watching on telly and it seemed great. But you're talking about the build-up. I think just overall, like Josh, I think you were in the north stand as well. It wasn't as good as it usually is. Aye, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, John. Um, but you know, Ukraine scored early, and we know. I mean, you know, I mean, John Blaisdell and I. We, I mean, we, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we, we've been following Scotland for. For uh, some amount of time, you know, what I mean, we're we're diehards, um, and and you know what it's like, John. When as soon as we go one one goal down, that Hamden goes completely flat because it's you know it's a poor stadium for atmosphere anyway. 
um, unless it's an extraordinary night like Denmark or Israel or something like that. Um, and I think that Ukraine, it's that it's actually you know it's one of those football cliches. They just scored early and totally silenced the crowd, um, and the atmosphere was pretty desperate um, and frantic as the game went on as we desperately tried to um, to get an equaliser. I see when the draw was made, Ian, who did you prefer out of the two teams? Who did you think there was an easier chance of beating in the final? Uh, I wasn't massively worried. I, I thought if Wales were at home, I'd back us against any. If it was away, you know, the Scotland factor, the history between us, that worried me. Ukraine, obviously, you know, who knows where it would have been played and everything else, and it would have been reversed. But I don't, and this is not being cocky or arrogant, but I, I fancied us against both, and I still do. You had it been Scotland on Sunday, I'd have backed us. Don't get me wrong, Scotland are a, a, a great side. You know, last night was, a, you'd like to call it a blip, was it eight games you were unbeaten before that? Um, but I, I think Wales have got enough. You know, they've not had to play this semi-final on Wednesday night. They've been able to rest all the players when they went to Poland. You know, it's, it's a one-off game for us, whereas you mm. had to, to build up for that big emotional match, as did Ukraine, and they've got to go again now on Sunday, travelling as well. Um I, yeah, I really don't want to sound arrogant or cocky well, at all. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't. I don't mind that, mate. You know, you, I mean, if you, you know, I, I would actually be remiss if if you didn't back your own team. You know, uh, so don't mind I've always said that. <laughs> I think we were the same though when the draw was made. We thought, well, if you can or Wales, that's as favourable as you could get. Yeah, let's and, be honest. Uh, we'd, we'd have all looked at each other and gone, "That's winnable," wouldn't we? Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, we, we avoided Portugal, Italy, all the, the big guns in there. So it was as good as all of us could have hoped for, I suppose. And prior to the Poland game and last night, you were in a pretty good run yourself. Was it nine games unbeaten prior to last uh, night, I think? Yeah, it was all, all comps until uh, Denmark in the Euros last year. It's been a really good run. And like I say, it was a scratch. It was a B team last night. And even then, we, we played very well for long spells and just gassed a little bit in the last 20, 25 minutes. And, you know, when they've got a player like Lewandowski pulling the strings up top, it's... It's quite tough, but they have a full-strength team out, and you know we were unlucky not to get a point in the end. So, but it's irrelevant. If you'd have offered me a ten-nil defeat last night, and we win on Sunday, any Wales fan would take it. So, definitely. So, do we think there'll be massive changes ahead on next Wednesday? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got Gareth Bale, Joe Roden, Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen, Ben Davis. None of these boys played on Wednesday night, and they'll all be in the top starting lineup on Sunday. Um, Nico Williams, he's been flying for um for Fulham on loan from Liverpool. Connor Roberts in a, in a poor Burnley team who got relegated. He's been brilliant in the second half of the year. Um, I, I actually think he's going to go with the same team that started against Austria um, three months ago in the semi-final. Um, you, you look at the stars that I've named there. You know, a lot of them aren't playing. Probably our best players aren't playing. Um, and the more fringe players are getting a lot of game time. So even if you've got substitutes, you're looking at Kiefer Moore, who's come back from an injury and scored four goals in four appearances for Bournemouth. Brendan Johnson's been unbelievable in the championship with Nottingham Forest. You know, you look at the squad and you'd like to think that we've got enough there, even if we can't get it done in 90, you've got bench options and stuff as well. So this is going to sound horrible listening back to this at seven o'clock on Sunday if we get beat. But... <laughs> I, I mean, some, I, I, I mean, John, I don't I think if, 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 if we'd plan to talk about this later on, I don't want to jump the gun. Uh, but one one thing I'd wanted to ask Ian is, is you know, watching the game last night, um, did you, you know, as a kind of semi-neutral, did you, what, what did you take away from Ukraine that's, that's I suppose, informed your um, your view about Sunday? I'd say that the 
in terms of football alone, I'd say that the, the war, everything that's gone on, the atrocities this year, it hasn't affected them one bit. And let's not forget, they're a bloody good side. And they have been for years. You know, most of my lifetime, they've qualified for a lot of tournaments. You're used to seeing them. They hosted, was it 2012 with Poland as well? You know, they're no mugs. They've always been a solid team. They've not always had world-class stars. Maybe go back, you know, Shevchenkos and them sort of players. But they've generally been built as a team, not one or two individuals that have carried the team. Um, whereas this time they've got they've got real you know Yarmolenko what a player he, he that first goal as awful as the defending was he still took it brilliantly um, uh, Zinchenko playing in a midfield role instead of left back I thought he was outstanding so they do have stars in there but they're still a well well oiled team and I think a lot of us seem to forget that before all this happened in you know um, with, with Russia back in March or February when it, um, the invasion first started they were a very good side so. It was always going to be about fitness and, and that side of things, and they showed that that wasn't a problem. If that's not a problem, there is no problem because they're a good team. So I think that kind of just put that to bed that, yeah, we, we don't need to worry about that. We just need to focus on beating who are a really, really good side, actually. What do you think is the greatest strength of the Welsh, the Welsh team? Obviously, you've got Bale and Ramsey, who are like the experienced guys, but there's something about international football that these Welsh guys seem to thrive on. I think you've just nailed it there. These players they will literally die for Wales. And I know you can say that about most players who play for the countries, but you look at Gareth Bale, how he's he's always made sure he's fit for Wales, even when he's missed tons. He's only played, I think it was seven appearances for Real Madrid all season. He's already made more, played more minutes for Wales than Real Madrid <laughs> this season. He, he, long story short, he keeps himself fit for us. You've seen it with Aaron Ramsey in Scotland. You know, I'm, he's tried to play a few more games and he has been a bit unlucky, but trust me, he'll, he'll play 90 minutes on Sunday if he needs to. Would he do that for Rangers? I'm not saying he wouldn't because he's the ultimate pro, but if it comes to Wales, he makes sure he's ready for that. And that just goes through the team. If if your country's record goal scorer and one of only three players to ever pass 100 caps in Gareth Bale, if he's doing that, what is Joe Bloggs from League One, League Two going to do? They're going to do it as well. So it's filtered through in the last 10 years. And, you know, like I said, I mentioned all the players there. You've got some players who are now really top Premier League and Championship players and they just give absolutely everything to play for Wales. And it's all come from Bale, I think. A lot of well, most of it's come from him. See, just because it's topical in Scotland, like the Ramsey situation with a penalty miss in Europa League final. If it went to penalties on Sunday, do you think Ramsey would even still go on the pitch because of his fitness? Yeah, that's a good question because he's going to start. Um, and the same with Bale. Um, so that would be my big concern in terms of taking penalties, you know, because if they were on the pitch, Bale takes one. Ramsey takes one and then, you know, pick the others all day long. But um, I think for this one, they will do everything in their power to manage it, to make sure they can get through 120 minutes. And it's only if there's a really bad issue where he pulled up or something else went wrong. I think they take him off. But if he's just gassed, I think he stays on because he offers that quality when they can. And that's the, you know, the hope is that you can get him front. And, and if you need to take him off after 70, 80 minutes, then, then you do it. But yeah, not his finest moment in that uh, in that Europa League. No, I mean really, really. I mean it really was. Um, I mean, I know you you have you know I suppose a bit of an unfettered love for Aaron Ramsey um, as a Welshman, but um, yeah, I think uh, going off off piece from international football, his, his loan to Rangers was just a disaster. Um, it was just, yeah, and mo- mainly a fitness thing. I mean, you could tell. I mean, you could tell in his few kind of appearances, you know, what a quality footballer he is. But um, it just, it's just one of these guys that's just been plagued with injuries, um, and it's it's a real shame uh, because if he'd had a career 
where he was able to play 40, 50 games a season, every season, who knows what he could have achieved. Was it yeah, you that made the point, so, sorry to interrupt you, just, was it you that made the point, Josh, a few weeks ago that Ramsey's one of those guys that suffered because he played so early at Cardiff? Because he started, was he not 16 when he made his debut at Cardiff? I don't think it was me that said it, mate, but but I would probably concur with that. Um, Kieran Tierney's Kieran another one, by the way. He started at 17 with Celtic, or 16, was it? I can't remember when he made his debut. Um, but Wayne Rooney was the same as well um, with Everton. I mean, you've seen towards the latter stages of his career and the fact he retired so early. Um, yeah, and, I mean, case examples of, of, of playing players too much too quickly I mean you, you really get you'd very rarely get Cristiano Ronaldo's I mean they are so rare where you can put them in from 16 and they will play until they're 39 it's very rare that you get that which is why you know Cristiano Ronaldo is such an outstanding um, you know player in the, in the echelons of football Sorry what were you going to say before I was mentioned about Ramsey and the, the age thing yeah, no, I, th- I think you lads have summed it up well in terms of Ramsey. He he did start very young and, and got a move to Arsenal, and you know he was he was a key player there. Then you have that injury with Ryan Shawcross at Stoke. It was a horrible injury, and you know that set him back so badly. And once you have one of them, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think he was only about twenty one or twenty two at the time. And you know you mentioned it with Tierney. Once you get those, you're in deep trouble, and there's not much you can do. You you can manage yourself as best as you can, and what Gareth Bale and, and Aaron have done so, so well is got themselves ready for these big one-off games for Wales. And we saw it last summer with the Euros. You know, they were they were knackered at points in that Euros, but they still made sure that they were fit for that sort of two-week period in the summer. And they'll do the exact same then. If if we qualify, if we win on Sunday, they'll be there in Qatar and they'll make sure. But if not, you know, they could be, or certainly Gareth Bale, you'd think he'd, he'd be done because I hate to say it because I love the man for what he's given to his country, but he's... Um, he can't play at club level anymore. He just he just can't stay fit. So if you want a genuine top talent and you want him to play week in, week out, you're not going to get it from him anymore because he just his body can't do it. And that's you know, it's the, the nature of the game when you especially when you start so young, because Gareth did as well, as did Aaron. I think that's the thing we get with Bale that it is a fitness thing. It's not maybe a bit of mentality in terms of Spain. There was a bit of speculation that even though he'd been there for a while, he'd not learned Spanish and maybe the fans didn't quite take him, even though he's had unbelievable success there. Is there more to it? Yeah, I think they, they adored him in the first few years. It was it 2013 he went there and he had amazing success. And then I think thing, he fell by the wayside a little bit under Zinedine Zidane. And you could see with that final in Kiev when they beat Liverpool, he scored that amazing overhead kick and gets the second goal, which you know was a mistake from, from Carriers, but he, you know, he scores two goals to win them the final. Um, and you know, he was, for the first time, really, we saw a bit of a, an aggressive side to him in the post-match interview where... He was clearly annoyed with the lack of game time and he wasn't impressed with Zinedine Zidane and whether that's filtered down from um, Florentino Perez or who knows, because there's a lot of politics at that club. Mm. But that was the beginning of the end, really. And you're talking, this is four years ago, but that first five years were absolutely phenomenal. You watch his highlights reel in 2014 in particular. Wow, it was unbelievable. Um, You know, once in a generation sort of talent. But yeah, certainly last four years, it's just been declining and, Sad to see the way it's ended, it really is. But ultimately, as a Wales fan, ask anyone on these shows, they're not bothered because he keeps delivering for Wales, as we saw in, in the Austria game, where he scored two fantastic goals. Greatest Welsh person of all time. Yeah. What was that, John? Sorry. Greatest Welsh person of all time. I think so. Yeah, you know, you look at John Charles, obviously, in that 58 World Cup, our only ever World Cup. And 
you know, there's some amazing other players, Ian Rush, Ryan Giggs, them sort of stars, but Gareth Bale's, for me, head and shoulders above all of them for how much he's played, the caps, the goals, just dragging the team through and, and that influence I mentioned on on the squad and, and, and the country as a whole. I'm pretty sure he's the most decorated um, European Cup winner in British football history, Gareth Bale as well, with what he's been doing. It's, in, it's incredible. Um, in terms of... Uh, you know, we, we've been talking about the fact that it's been 24 years since Scotland won at a World Cup. But for you guys, it's that's even longer. Like, that's <laughs> 66, 66 years. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you just have to put that into perspective. And, you know, it would just be amazing for you guys, stating the obvious, if you... I, mean, I know you've been to a couple of Euros recently, but this really would mean everything to get to a World Cup again. It'd be unreal. You know, that, that Euro 2016 was just astonishing. I, I, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. And... Um, a year later, the World Cup campaign for Russia in 2017. That it was funnily enough, it was the last game I went to as a fan before I, I started covering the games as a journalist. And uh, we lost one nil to to Republic of Ireland, and it was just horrible. Absolutely, we were nine games unbeaten in the campaign, and you lose the decider and, and you miss out on a playoff. And it's it's the feeling that you boys would have had last night. I, I sympathise because it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And you know, you just we've had two against Scotland in years gone by, Romania '93 and. It's just we just got so many. We I hate to say it, but we've got even more than you lot have. So, um, you know, and that's that's why I try not to be overconfident and everything about Sunday. But you've got to look at that squad and think we're capable. You know, where I think it's 18 games unbeaten at home. I haven't lost at home since uh, I think we got beat by Denmark in 2018. You've gone back a long time there. Um, Ukraine have just played last night. A lot of energy into that game to to beat Scotland and travelling again as well, and obviously everything else that's gone on in the country. So. I hate saying it, but that's why I'm confident. My wife laughs at me because I always say that my dying wish is to see Scotland just get past the group stage of a big tournament. That that's I'd be quite happy. <laughs> We've never yeah, done it. I think that never we were exactly it. the same going into 2016. That was exactly the same, and you know, to make the semis was just scary. And then getting out the groups last year was, you know, to be working on that one was, was special for me personally. But yeah, it didn't end particularly well, but you know, to qualify for back-to-back Euros was was phenomenal. But that World Cup's still missing. 58's a long time. Yeah, and obviously, if you get through Qatar, um, you want to go. I would do. I would do. I understand why a lot of people wouldn't, and you know, the the, the political side and, and and their human rights sort of issues. So I, I fully understand that. But yeah, for for me, I've always. You know, any any you ask any fan, you, you give anything to to work at a World Cup or go as a fan or, or be there in any capacity. So, um, but yeah, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves, lads. It's um, a long way to go yet. <laughs> well, we, uh, what do you guys think? How, how do you look at it after what happened last night? How do you look at Sunday? Would you have more confidence in Ukraine or do you, would you back Wales? I've, I, I mean, I've, I've personally, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm on the fence um, because. You know, uh, before the game last night, if you'd asked me, you know, who, who if you, before the game last night, if you if you if you'd asked me if the final is Wales and Ukraine, I would be saying Wales hands hands down. Uh, but having watched Ukraine last night, um, and they absolutely banjoed us, as I said before, um, they were so good and they were so fit. The second balls, you know, that I think. Second, I mean, particularly, I think you know, winning second and third balls is is ninety five percent desire, and you know, ninety five percent heart. You know, if you if you really really commit yourself and and want to, 
you know, die to get that second ball or that third ball, um, then you'll win it. And that's what I seen in Ukraine last night. I didn't see it in Scotland. So I'm on the fence about Sunday. Uh, you know, Wales are a, a very good side. They're very that you know they are a, a very good team. I've got to be honest. I think on paper, I think they probably got a stronger squad than Wales, but I think Wales have um, a couple of really you know, real superstar players. Uh, and I think they have an incredible team mentality um, built up. And, and, you know, they're fantastic at home. Um, so I, I'm really on the fence about it. I, but, if, you know, if, you, if you're putting a gun to my head, I would probably say I, I think Wales might edge it on Sunday. I'm, I'm um, switching towards Wales as well. I mean, and you, you, I'll be, I agree, Josh, you, um, Ukraine were maybe better than what we expected last night. And they did have a decent Euros, um, although there was a wee bit of luck along the way um, for them, but they still were at a last eight team. We shouldn't forget that. But I just think with the place that Wales are in just now and at the Cardiff City Stadium, um, they have just made that their home. And they've, you know, the, the, that 20,000 crowd, right in total, or 25,000, whatever it is. What is the stadium capacity in? Uh, I just remember it has increased. How many? 33,000. 33,000. Well, I'm well out now. <laughs> I know when it was first, but it was like 20 odd. Um, but yeah, so 30,000 right on top of the pitch. You know, that is going to be some atmosphere. And the Welsh crowd are just as passionate as we are, you know, about the, their football. And, you know, when you've got someone like Gareth Bale who, you know, comes alive in a Welsh shot, um, I just I just think it's just, I think they're overdue a place in the World Cup. And I think it's their time. And, you know, obviously, feel for the Ukraine situation and yes you could say it'd be great if they qualified but um, apart obviously Scotland are way ahead of anyone else but Wales for me are probably my second or third international team along with Australia and I want to win I think it's hard to call see the, the main thing that struck me last night and Grant uh, Sunday see that amount of time that the manager has had to work with those players He's effectively managing to find out exactly. He can imagine how much time he can spend watching Scotland and Wales, how they play, and actually just practicing, practicing, practicing how you can exploit their weaknesses. That's what I feel. However, we've been at home. I thought this last night about us. I think you should win, but I think it can go all the way to penalties. The thing that impressed me most about Ukraine is the pace they played that as well. I didn't see that in the Euros that they played with such pace. They were zipping it about. As Josh said earlier, I think they won every second ball in Scotland, but that's because Scotland sat off them so much. Um, and they just dictated play all round. They dominated possession as well, like 60% possession. The shots and goal they had, I would have said probably we were lucky to get away with a 3-1 loss. If it wasn't for Craig Gordon, it could have been really embarrassing. Um, so whether Ukraine will play in the same way, because Wales... You're kind of three at the back as well, or four at the back? You Generally three, yeah. Then wing backs with yeah, Nico Williams and Connor Roberts wing backs. But is it more um, a 3 4 3? More 3 5 2. Yeah, Dan five, James two, and so. Bale up top, yeah. Aye, but then I suppose with having James and Bale, they will drift out wide and help out when you're defended as well, naturally. Yeah. A wee bit. Mm-hmm. The wing backs, Roberts and Nico, they can run. They're, you're Duracell, and he's got nothing on them, so they're just ridiculous runners. So they can run all day. So 
energy doesn't worry me. The one thing that does worry me, and you've all alluded to it, was this focus that Ukraine have had on this camp, which you know Wales and Scotland haven't really had in some ways, and the gap to the season. Are we playing them at the wrong time? And could Wales do the same thing that Scotland have done in terms of um, maybe not being as... The intensity's not there, say, you know, whereas maybe in March it would have been... I, I don't really worry about that because I think, I think the players are, have got enough, but that would be my one concern because, you know, Ukraine have geared up to this game for a long time and Josh mentioned it earlier on where, um, you know, that, that's probably going to be their biggest strength and that's the one thing I would worry about if, um, if Wales weren't on it like Scotland um, last night, really. But other than that, no, I think I think I understand where you're all coming from. It's probably a bit bit tighter than a lot of people will expect. I think that's where you could exploit Ukraine. You'll see the fact that like if they play similar to last night, they push the full back to very high up the pitch. So if you can get James and uh, Bale going at their channels, maybe like pulling the centre backs away from areas they they don't want to be in, I think that could be your key because your wing backs, as you say, they'll go up and down all day as well. So you've got that more you've got more pace up front as well, which Sadly, apart from Adam, is we are kind of lacking in terms of pace. Yeah, that and then behind be... the, behind that front two, you've got Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen, Harry Wilson, three players who are really good on the ball and can create from nothing. So, you know, all of a sudden you're looking, it's a strong unit. And, you know, yeah, again, I'm not going to go into it in depth because I sound too confident now. I don't like feeling this confident. It's horrible. Yeah, well, it's it's not, but, well, I mean, I think I think one thing Ian that um, it's actually will have been a positive for Wales, particularly with that game last night, is that the players, no, uh, no, that they not that they wouldn't have thought this before, but they will have watched that game last night and, and you know be saying to each other, right, we need to be on it for Sunday because look at what look at what's happened to Scotland. They've they've slipped. They've had they've had one slip up. They've been a wee bit too slow. They've been a wee bit too late. Um, they've been a wee bit too. Um, you know, um, resting on the laurels, um, and they've been absolutely run ragged by Ukraine. So you know, they'll need Wales will need to be at full, you know, at full kilt on Sunday. Yeah, we we had a player media session today um, ahead of the game on Sunday, and they've already been watching that clip, the clips of the match this morning. So that is a good point. You know, I think they'll learn a lot of lessons from that, and. Um, I, I can't see them making the same mistake and I, I mentioned it right at the beginning I, th- I thought Scotland could have solved the mistake because Ukraine weren't dominating in the sense of they weren't pulling you apart you know, Scotland could have improved and they were given warning signs didn't adapt, went 1-0 down made the change, still didn't learn from it and by the time you did push and improve it was too late and you only get one back and you get sucker punch on a counter-attack so um, there were chances for Scotland to get back into that Um so I think that's where Wales will feel confident. Hopefully they won't be in that position anyway, but even if they do, they can learn from that, I think. Do you think if you were to go behind pages, get the flexibility to change things around? He has, yeah, which is not something I've always said, but more so with Brennan Johnson, he's sheer pace. He, so he gives you a different option off the bench if you need that. Um, Kiefer Moore, he's a target man. So if you need to go direct, you can do that. Um, we've played back four numerous times if you want to get an extra man in midfield and do that, you know, so it's it's not something that we've always had in terms of squad depth and options, but now we probably, it's as good as in my lifetime in terms of the options that we've got from the bench and things you can change because a lot of these players have played in multiple positions. Ethan Ampadu, you know, he's played absolutely everywhere apart from Kitman, I think. So, um, you know, we've got that throughout the squad and, and that's built over sort of five to ten years, really. So luckily that is an option if you do go behind I wouldn't panic. Whereas in years gone by, it was a case of like you said, um, with the atmosphere at hand and early, you go behind and that's it. You feel like it's done, don't you? 
Um, and that was probably the case with Wales years ago, but I don't think it is anymore. I was looking at Ampadouda all night in terms of the amount of caps. He's got 21 years old, he's got 33 caps already. It's crazy. It's astonishing. Yeah, he's you know, he's going to smash 100, you'd think. He could probably do that by the time he's 30, but um, some talent. I was there for his debut um, in 2017 in France. Uh, such a talented player. Um, speaks really well. He's really mature for his age. He's had some tough loan spells away from Chelsea, like RB Leipzig and Sheffield United, and then now he's just been at Venezia in Serie A, so... Um, but he's another one again he's ready for Wales he delivers for Wales and, and that's all we care about ultimately yes you'd love to see him do amazing at club level but 33 caps for a 21 year old you know it makes you wonder what we've been doing with our lives doesn't it lads <laughs> tell me a bit of it yeah it's funny do you know it's, I'm, I'm going off piece here but it's funny you, you mentioned that you know I was watching the, the, the parade of Andrew Robertson the other, the other day you know having his few beers and all that and I was thinking to myself god Andy Robertson's like two years younger than me and he's just you know he's just been in his third Champions League final where I'm sitting in my in my pants eating a packet of spicy bikers in my living room <laughs> Living, living the dream, pal. That sounds like a good Sunday to me. <laughs> I need to ask this, Monin. Do you have? Do you guys have any um, former Wales captains who are wanting Ukraine to win? Please say no. Oh. <laughs> Cheers, Josh. <laughs> no, 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 that's not. That's not. A, that's not directed at you, mate. <laughs> the two Johns know exactly who that's directed at. <laughs> I'm probably. Are you, are you going to clip this up and put it out? And uh... no, no. <laughs> I sit on the fence. No, here, basically, basically, yeah. No, no. Basically, it was in reference to the fact that um, Graeme Sinis, um came out and said um, that he wanted UK Ukraine to win, which was just a ridiculous comment. No, and to make it worse, um, Sky Sports put him on as a pundit. Now I've got. Um, uh, a good relationship with some of the people at Sky. We've had Luke Shanley, Charles Patterson, and Nolan Gortz there, and recently Ian Crocker on this show. Um, but I have to call. I thought them bringing Sunus on last night was a big mistake. I mean, we weren't watching the game; we were at the game. So, but for those watching, they must be like, "What on earth is he doing on there?" So, I hope, um, I hope all your Welsh boys are supporting Wales and not going to the Ukraine side because, yeah. It, I feel for them what they're going through in the war, etc. Absolutely, but at the end of the day, this is sport. You know, you've got to put your own team first. John, John, the the thing is about that, right? You know, Sunus was the Sunus was literally the the archetype of a pure sportsman. You know, and and for him to then come out and say, "Oh, I want Ukraine to win," but I, to be fair, I personally think that comes from a place of bitterness um, because. I think, um, I mean, I would need to recall and I would need to go through the books again, but um, you may be, maybe be able to tell me, John, but did, did Sunus's Scotland career not end somewhat acrimoniously? Um, it kind of came to an end um, and there was a bit of bad blood with one of the managers. I can't quite remember. Something's still made it turned out for the manager's job at least once. Well, he was still... He was, still he was rejected played. for Burley. Is that what it was? Maybe. Because mm-hmm. uh, he was still, because I, I remember um, reading that there, there was there was issues when he was still playing for Scotland at one of the World Cups, but he was also just been announced as the Rangers manager. Um, and it was, who, was, who was the manager 86 World Cup, John? Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. So there was issues with Fergie 
at the 86 World Cup, to my recollection, when I read one of um, Archie McPherson's books. Um, so I, personally, I, I feel that Souness is a bit bitter about the Scotland national team. Um, and, and to be fair, the fact that he's a bit of a Sky Sports kind of, you know, uh, one of these kind of Jamie O'Hara type Sky Sports guys anyway, um, you know, it, it doesn't really help himself. Um, so I, yeah, I've mean, I, I got to say that really, uh, as a Rangers fan as well, I really got to me during the week. I just I had to take some time during the week to collect myself. I see why I ask it, John, but it's by the by, isn't it? You know, we saw, I think it was Simon Jordan did his bit on, on talks, but you mentioned there as well, Josh. Um, what, what were we supposed to do? There was the other, was it, was it the Telegraph who did it a few months ago? You know, we should all step aside and let Ukraine go through. And isn't it funny how the people who are not involved in the playoffs are all saying this? So no. let's just uh, file in the yeah. file in the bin. Let's uh, let's move on. Well, bottom line is, as we said in the, pod, in the previous podcast last week, um, Ukraine did not want a bye to the World Cup. They did not want Wales or Scotland or Austria giving up their playoff rights for Ukraine to beat this World Cup. They wanted to earn it on merit and you've got to applaud them for that and then they produced that performance last night. So, you know, had roles been reversed and Scotland or Wales were, um, you know, in conflict, Ukraine wouldn't be given a toss about that. Let's be honest. They'd be, they'd, I'd, I'd like to think they'd show the same sympathy as we've shown them, but at the end of the day, this is, this is sport. This is separate from wars and everything that's going on. Show solidarity off the pitch, but on the pitch, it's about one thing, winning a football match. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think everyone said the same for, for Sunday as well. But no, I think the respect, Joan, from Scotland was, was, was classy. I think it was the back page of the record. I don't know if you've seen it, but if you can dig it out today. But it was, it was, a, it was a great back page. And, you know, obviously there was disappointment and anger, but it was just so classy. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think Wales will do the same win or lose on Sunday and yeah, I'm sure they will so speaking to some of the players and manager about it so yes but it's football you know that's what we've got to focus on haven't we? Got a question for you right a fantasy scenario so if you had a situation whereby you could take three Scottish players out of the current squad and put them into the Welsh starting lineup, who would they be and who would they replace? Ooh, that's a great question I love Andy Robertson, obviously, but I love Nico Williams. So I'd probably put in Andy Robertson, but I don't know where. Um, I'd have to work that one out. John McGinn, I adore him. And I know you weren't happy with him last night, but I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and then I have to think, where else are we really weak? Who would McGinn go in for then in the midfield? So, who, uh, McGinn, um, again, that's another one because, you know, we've got Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen. Would he replace Harry Wilson? Maybe. I don't know. Um, oh, that's a great question, John. I'd have to have a bit more time on that, but I obviously love Robertson. I think Tierney is phenomenal. As much as I like um, Connor Roberts and even Sorber Thomas, I think Kieran Tierney would quite comfortably get into our team. Um, yeah, I think I'd go with M3. I don't know who I'd drop. It would have to be Connor Roberts if it was a right wing back, but I love him. Ex Swansea player as well, who I cover week in, week out. Um, John McGinn, I don't know who he'd replace, but I do like him. That's a horrible question, John. That's all right. It's it's inspired by John's recent uh, podcast that he's done. So on the flip side, Josh and John, what three Wales players would you be taking to put in the Scotland team? And who Um, would be their players in? Have we changed this from the team last night? Can we uh, make it 11? 
no, ten <laughs> because Craig Gordon was excellent last night. <laughs> Um, um, we'll go with go with the kind of general right. rough general starting lineup. Right. Well, we'll um, well, Gareth Bale comes in alongside uh, Shea Adams. You know that's a, a no-brainer. Um, as decent as Ryan Christie and Levin Briggs have been for us, Gareth Bale's better than them. Simple as that. Um, I would have Ethan Ampadu um, in the defence in uh, right centre back, um, and the other one. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Um, probably stick Dan James in somewhere, but I, I see him as a winger, and we don't do wingers. We don't play that formation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Unless we we some we do sometimes kind of play three four three because like yesterday when we, yeah, changes, we did kind of kind of much as I said earlier, we we're almost like four at the back and we went six midfield. But um, I suppose Armstrong and Christie we are kind of playing as supposedly wide players. Yeah. From the team last night, I'd probably put Ben Davis instead of um, Wayne Cooper. Yeah, I'll go with those. Right, okay. Josh? So, um, I'm take, I'm taking Bale, uh, and he's going to take the place of Ollie McBurney. Um, and I'm going to Ollie take... Ollie McBurney. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Aaron Ramsey, and he'll be taking John Fleck's place. Um, and I'm going to take Ethan Ampadu, and he's going to take Paul McGinn's place. <laughs> Do you know what? What might have been a better one to go for a joint Wales and Scotland eleven actually? Oh, right, that that could have that, been. That maybe, well, maybe have another guys. podcast another day for that. Right, things, what, could, things could have got a bit tasty. Aye, that would come about. Maybe get Russell on, make <laughs> it a bit, bit fairer. Though Ian, I think you could uh, fight your own way anyway. Right, next week. Well, not just next week, but Armenia. What kind of changes do we expect? Because I seen see even before last night. I think because we were thinking maybe we would have five games and both were saying. Or go out next week and play the second string team. I don't think we can totally underestimate Armenia. I don't no, think we but... can underestimate. I think the core of the best team will still be there. Um, but I do think there should be one or two changes. One to preserve fitness for some of these guys who are clearly done, you know, from um, a long club season. I would even consider resting Roberts and put, moving Hickey to the other side um, where he's been playing all season and bring in Patterson if he's fit, if not Ralston. You know, someone attacking because we are going to be in the front foot next week. Um, <clears throat> I would consider starting either Brown or um, Jacob Brown or Ross Stewart. One of the two of them can come on up front. Um, I would be looking to make at least four changes um, for the Armenia game, but probably not more than five. Four or five changes, I think, would be plenty because we've got to think about Ireland away as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Now, Grant Campbell's been asking, I know um, Vinny. Um, mentioned something else, but I don't think Steve Clark's under pressure yet. Um, however, if we don't get seven or nine points, and I'm aiming for nine, because I think we should be going to Ireland and looking to win, unlike what Gordon Strachan did in 2015, play for a draw. Um, but if we don't get seven or nine points from those games, then question marks might come back again on Clark, especially when you've got in September two tricky games versus Ukraine, who have just hammered us, basically, and a home game against Ireland. Aye, do we think still three at the back? Well, I, John, I was actually just going to, that was going to be one of my points. I actually will not be surprised if Clark goes goes to a four at the back. Um, the reason I'm saying that is is because the five at the back was brought in to accommodate Tierney and Robertson. That's why it was brought in. Let's not, let's not kid anybody on. 
That's why it was brought in, because we couldn't get uh, Tierney and Robertson into the same team. It's just happened that playing the five at the back with Tierney playing left centre-back has worked a street. Uh, but it's not worked a street when Tierney's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would not be surprised if he moves to a four at the back. Um, John, I- I'm totally with you. I think resting Robertson, uh, given maybe McGinn or McGregor the armband, um, popping Hickey to left back and putting Patterson if he's fit at right back. Um, and then kind of, yeah, uh, certainly a few changes. Bruin, I'd like to get, see him and, you know, see what he's like because we have only seen flashes of Bruin. Um, so, and, he, and he, by all intents and purposes, he looks a quality player. For I think he's got I've a better pace as well, I think. Yeah, he looks he looks quality. For what I've seen at, um, at Stoke, um, technically looks a good player, strong runner, pace, as you said. Um he looks, uh, yeah, he looks a very good player, but we've only seen bit part flashes of him so far. Um, so I, um, I think there will be changes. Nine points is a must. I, th- I think, you, you know, if you're looking at home nations, Ireland is a different beast compared to Wales. Um, Ireland are not in a good place. Uh, I've, I've, Ireland, you know, are we going political again with home nations? No, 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 well, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, no, actually, don't go there. I mean, do you know me? I, I, I would actually, I would actually say that Ireland are probably my second international team after Scotland, just based on the fact that I'm part Irish and I've got a lot of family there. So, um, but, you know, speaking to relatives and, and things like that, they're not confident. Um, so to go there, and in my opinion, to drop points would be a bad, bad, um, yeah, it, it would be a bad result. Was it not um, in the group when the group chat? And I, I think we're all pretty knowledgeable about football, but we're kind of like a few years ago, and who are some of these players in the Ireland team? Which is maybe a bit being a bit, uh, but well, yeah, I mean, there, there is that, John. But then you know, a lot of people were talking about how most of the Ukrainian national team play in the Ukrainian league arrogantly, as we do in, in Western Europe. Um, so yeah, um. Just be- I mean, just because you know we've never heard of a lot of them doesn't mean that. Look at Northern Ireland, you know. I know, if, I know, you know, I know. A, a team of absolute jobbers that Michael O'Neill coached into an absolute unit. So, um, but all the same, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, are not in a good place. They are not. So, my view, we should be taking six points off them in these nations. League. We should be taking six points off of Armenia. Um, mindful not to not to sit sit on our laurels after um, after Georgia. You know, after our history with Georgia results um, and Armenia's, you know, just a stone's throw away for there. Here's so, a quick question without Googling. Name three Armenian players. Oh, uh, Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan, that's no, it. Yep, and uh, <laughs> he's, he's Armenian. Right? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not done yet, I'm not right. done yet. Uh, <laughs> get, get, your, get away from that browser. <laughs> Oh, uh, right, no. I Ian. could not name you another Armenian player. Mkhitaryan. Ian? Ian's a journal. He should know. Ian's muted himself. He's like, no, I'm not getting involved in this. John, <laughs> <laughs> do you know any of us? This is bad. This is where it's like... Do you know we are younger? I always knew, like, I, I prided myself on the fact that we know most countries in terms of at least a few players. Mkhitaryan to be fair, there's... that I can think of. Is it is a keeper... To be fair, there's too many. <laughs> Um, right, okay, so we, we've uh, remembered the fact that we have no knowledge of uh, our media, which is a bit of balls. Um, talking of balls, 
what Scotland's performance was last night and our sponsors, Manscaped. Remember that you can get 20% off and free shipping at uk.manscaped.com with the code SFF20 in capital letters. So if you want to look fresh and be a, a model like Josh, because normally like you like a wee trim now and again and putting it on the internet. <laughs> absolutely, mate. I mean, when they publish those photos on the internet, but um, I still make use of, regular use of my... Um, when I went off to Seville uh, the other week, um, had to give me give my armpits and my chest a wee shave, you know, because obviously it was going to be roasty-toasty and it was going to be sweaty business. So I thought I'll get my lawnmower 4.0 out and uh, give myself a wee trim. What an absolute treat. I've still got two nipples. So um, definitely recommend, um, you know, what, what's the code again, John? SFF20? SFF20. Like, be honest, like, you surely were getting all off so you never had sweaty boards in Seville. Or, or as Chris said, the barber of Seville, wasn't it? Well, mate, look, yeah, all I'm Tell the nation. Just is, tell, you don't need to show, it, show the nation. Just tell the nation. All, yeah, all I'll say is, is that the uh, products at um, Manscaped are, are really top-notch. They are for, for personal body uh, hair grooming, um, all sorts of body hair, that is. Uh, all, all other types of body hair apart from pubes are available. Um, so that is, yeah, they are really um, aye, f- fantastic and I'm really um, enjoyed a lot of the kind of um, we um, sprays and things like that as well. Refined. Refined. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, we should remember as it's well good. as Father's Day is coming up. Um, and I did speak to your wee boy on Monday, John. So like, if you, if you get something, a special present for Father's Day, you know why. <laughs> maybe actually, maybe, maybe my, my maybe, boy's already feeling nonsense. <laughs> maybe imagine, no, John, imagine John, please don't imagine how absolutely mortifying that would He's be. He's laughing now, isn't he? How imagine how mortifying that would be. By the way, opening up your Father's Day present, your wee boy's got your pubes, a pub trimmer set. <laughs> actually, maybe we could get your missus to do a cake in the man- manscaped kind of <laughs> packaging. Why not? That'd be a great promo, Why not? So yeah. UK, UK. UK.manscape.com. Um, so. You guys are very much on the ball, and I'm going on off the ball on Saturday. Oh, there we go. Oh, you yeah. are not, John, are you? I am. Yeah, I got a text first thing this morning, eight o'clock this morning, from the producer, um, asking if I wanted to come on and promote the book. So, um, fantastic, I, mate! Oh, brilliant, man! Hey, you, ha- hey, you have made it now, boy. I, I couldn't believe when I read that. So it gave me a good cheer up. And I wasn't sure, I was going to text you all later, but I thought, no, I'm going to keep it for the podcast. For your own for, for your own sake, Ian, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you know off the ball, but it is the biggest radio show in Scotland. I, I would I would say it was it's probably not even the biggest sports show, it's probably the biggest radio show in Scotland, I would say. Yeah, good man, John. Congrats, mate. I've not, I've not, I'm not a listener, obviously, not on the patch, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard, heard of it, so you must be doing something right, mate. It's Cheers. almost as good as our podcast. Almost as good as our podcast. Almost. Almost, <laughs> yeah. I think we get some of our inspiration from um, off the ball at times, to be fair, especially with some of the random questions that we've been posing, or as I like to call them, terrorists and teasers. Whose jokes are worse, John, uh, John or um, uh, Tam Counts? <laughs> That's quite a compliment to John, to be fair. To be compared with Tamkin. <laughs> is Tamkin funny? Oh no, he is funny, but uh, 
I, I think Tam Kearns a bit like me. He takes pride in like telling bad jokes, and bad jokes, bad jokes are the ones that get most laughs. To be honest, let's face it. When 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 Grant when I interviewed Grant Stott for this podcast last year, he's obviously um, been on off the ball quite a few times, and he was telling us about the first time he was on with Tam Kearns, and he didn't think he was getting invited back, and he got invited back. He says they thought you were funny. He was like, but he didn't laugh at my jokes, and Tam Kearns says, I only laugh at my own jokes. <laughs> Doesn't laugh at anyone's jokes, but his own. Oh, that'll be good. Exciting times. Yeah. Nah, good luck, mate. Enjoy. Thanks very much, Ian. Thanks very much, guys. And yeah, it cheered me up this morning after um, tweeting about the game last night, so and missing the group chat. So that was a good thing to wake up to. As we did say at the start of the podcast, this is a therapy session when we get beat. Like sometimes you think I'll just avoid it, I'll no bother, but then you need to just get out of your system, move on. And it's good for us as well. We've got games next week, as opposed to waiting a few months. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Ian, which Wales player do you think would be most likely to use Manscaped? Oof, Gareth Bell's got a cracking man bun, so I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to say something else there. Yeah. <laughs> Led you on a bit there, didn't I? Hair <laughs> uh, on the top of his head. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's well groomed, isn't he? Ethan Ampadu used to have his dreadlocks, and he's he's changed his bonnet now. So quite, quite a good looking team, Wales. I must say. Um, now I'm thinking about it. There's a few handsome boys in that team. I mean, whereas we've got boys like John McGinn, um, <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not the um, it's certainly not the players' attractiveness that's bringing the women to the games. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're too wrong, actually. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's there's some lookers in there. Yeah, some uh, some talent. You imagine them out in Portugal when they were on uh, on their training camp last month. Have to ask about that. Professionals, they're all professionals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that us in terms? Of, apart from if we're finishing up, just best of luck for Ian for Sunday. Much not your not that you're playing, but or unless that's a. Yeah, I did ask. <laughs> No, thanks, lads. It's been a pleasure. Ah, been a pleasure, mate. Good luck for Sunday. Yeah, thanks. Oh, thanks for coming on again. And if you make it, we might um, bring you back on to preview the World Cup, even though we're not in it <laughs> again. <laughs> we're boycotting it. We're boycotting it. We, we, I mean, you know, the whole it was good of the whole Scotland team to take a political stance last <laughs> night. Good uh, on you. And, yeah, and, and say and say, do you know what? Actually, this is not right. Uh, and by the way, there are positives of the fact that we're not going to the World Cup, John. You know. I put, I put a tweet earlier on that, you know, going to the World Cup would put me in about 10k worth of debt. So, um, you know, based on the prices in Qatar. So that is one positive about this um, that I, I have, I've said to my missus, look, we can go on holiday this year. Plus as well, we do have a lot of gingers. Aye, aye. Imagine, aye, imagine that, mate. Thousands and thousands, and thousands of pasty Scots in Qatar. Because everyone would have the top half. Germany 2024, 10k will get you a long way. Yep. <laughs> That'll just be his beer money. It will be me. That would be, man. Good luck for Sunday. Thanks again for coming on. Superb. Cheers, Jens. Thank you. Cheers.